Hello everyone. This is another episode of Tending the Vine. Tending the Vine is a podcast produced by Trellis Counselling where we take the time to reflect, think and talk about things as they relate to our mental, emotional and spiritual health and really looking at all of these different things, the impact they have on our lives, but looking at these things especially through the lens of scripture because as Reformed Christians we believe it's so important for that to be the perspective that we have and the lens that we have for all areas of life. Sometime last year we dropped an episode on being still and be still and know that I am God and at the end of the episode I said something about sharing some more on this because this is something that I'm thinking about a lot, something that I will be thinking more about. So as promised, here is some more on the topic of being still. Um, Over the past little while, I've spent some time off, spent some time really trying to be intentional in living this out, not just in my time off, but also then in the structures and rhythms of my own life. I cannot say that I'm doing this perfectly I am definitely growing and learning in this and I'm also having lots of conversations and have been able to read a few books on the topic so hopefully as I continue to be encouraged I can share things with you that will hopefully be encouraging for you Um, having time off was something and having space in that was something that really allowed for opportunity to reflect and opportunity to refocus on the things that are important to somewhat recalibrate my life and um, it was just a really great blessing and I pray that some of the ways that I've been blessed just think some of the things that I can reflect on across the next little while in this episode are things that may also be a blessing for you. Um, There's something to be said about weaving a pattern of rest into our lives and finding these rhythms and movement that give us this space in parts of our days, parts of our weeks or years or parts of our life that help us to just take deep breaths and just to to pause and reflect. Um, This is, you know, weaving it throughout our lives, not just breaks or time off, but each day and each, each week. We add this intentionality to our days as we move throughout our days. There is a more of an opportunity to engage with what we're doing. And as we engage with what we're doing, we also have this opportunity to worship as we are more proactive in our days and in our lives than reactive. And then as we weave this space into our days, and into our lives, we then have this intentionality in how we live. There's this opportunity to grow. Um, you can think of it like a plant. Um, a plant, if they don't have lots of root space to expand their root system, they're also not going to be able to grow upward. And I think then having that space to expand in our lives or a space to to be engaging and to have intentionality it gives us growth most importantly it doesn't just give us growth 
say emotionally or physically it gives us this growth in this spiritual vitality because we can pay attention more with this space we can pay more attention to how god is working in our days how he's um changing our lives and nurturing us to grow closer to him and part of that is as we have more space in our lives and more more stillness we can engage with him because we are paying more attention to our lives um, and you know instead of just spending quiet time or devotional time first thing in the morning and then closing our bibles saying amen to our prayer and then rushing off to get everything on our to-do list done we have this rhythm and movement that brings us back to God throughout the day that that brings us back to a verse of what we read that morning and and we also become more emotionally healthy because we pay more attention to what emotions are coming at us and what those emotions are telling us like we talked about in that emotion series in some of the earlier episodes so there's two separate books one of them is called to hell with the hustle by Jefferson Bethke and another one is called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And both of these authors actually talk about some very similar things. And they're the authors that did the podcast Fight, Hustle and Hurry that I referred to in our last episode on being still. And in their books, they both refer to this term margin. And there's this example that they both use of how we... We should always have margin when it comes to our spending patterns and habits. You know, in our finances, we should never spend everything that we have, but should always have a buffer. And they argue and present a case for how our schedule should be the same. They sh- we shouldn't be fully booked out, but there should be space and margin so that we have this space in our days to interact with the things that are happening around us. This is not taking away from the need to work hard when things are booked in and when we are doing things. But it's focusing on the need for there to be more space, more rest and more stillness in our days. When we have margin in our lives, in in our schedules, we can be more present and more really present to the things that are happening as they are happening, to the things that are happening around us. We can respond and pay attention more carefully. If we are rushing through our days, we um, don't have time to have conversation with our neighbour as we check the mail, but we have this margin and no need to be somewhere um, immediately. We can have a conversation um, on our front lawns or over the the bushes and you know when we are catching up with a friend and we have a little bit of wiggle room or a little bit of margin we can stay longer as they start to share heavy things or we can find the time to make them make a meal for someone in our church Um, and we can do these things without this inner voice distracting us from being present or this inner voice sort of saying all the things that we have to do or all the things that we should be busy with. Um, For those of us who have children, having more margin in our days means that we can spend time on the floor with them playing a little bit more or taking opportunities as they arise for conversations and perhaps teachable moments um, so that you can continue to build relationship with them. And as we have this margin, we we don't feel this pressure to suddenly be somewhere. We can 
just to be present in our lives and as we're present in our lives we can engage more with the things that are happening as they are happening we don't rush about so far in head, ahead of our lives so far ahead of everything that's happening without paying attention to things we are there as they are happening we have this intentionality and this gives us so much room in it to love people better whoever our neighbors are we can love them in these incidental moments that happen we have this intentionality in our love i believe that compassion is something that really needs us to be fully present we can't be compassionate and care for someone as they share things that are happening in their lives and heavy things if we are thinking about all the chores that we need to do when we get home or about the to-do list that's sitting on our desk at work, we can't be fully present in their story when we need to rush off or hurry somewhere. We can't sit with those heavy things. We can't stand and be faithful in standing in these hard spaces, things that compassion often asks of us. We can't do those things when we're in a hurry. When we're in a hurry, we rush to say things. And often in our rush to say things, they're not helpful. They're not, um, they're not, they're not helpful, but they're also sometimes not kind. You know, we want to fix what's happening, but then we're so busy trying to fix things and trying to fix things fast that we don't actually understand what's going on. And then we can leave that person person we we probably really care about we can leave them feeling alone and and burdened even more because of what we have said and what we have done because we're in a hurry having more margin in our lives means that we can be more present and we can grow in showing compassion having margin means that there's not a list of things going through our head but that we can push that aside because there's the space to do so and we can sit with this person and we can really take the time to understand what's going on. Margin means that we in other areas of our lives as well can think more carefully about what we're doing and and why we're doing it. I think of a, an example from my own life that I've been noticing mm, really actively trying to pay attention to is eating habits. When I'm busy or stressed, I just have a lot going on in my own head, I don't think much about eating until I'm really, really hungry. So I can go throughout my day perhaps having breakfast but then forgetting to eat lunch um, or something else and then I get really hungry but then being really hungry means I need to eat then. And that doesn't give me time to prepare food, doesn't give me time often to think about the healthy choices that I make. But then also by that time, I'm so hungry that I just want the easy um, and probably not very satisfying foods that you find in, in good like snacks like chips or chocolate or those things that give you a quick, quick rush, but they don't fool me up or don't fully satisfy me. But then when I am less busy or just more space in my day, I can eat more mindfully. So I have more space to think about making a meal. I have more space to 
make better decisions while I'm in the shop. I have more space in my head to think not just about the taste of food and how delicious it might be or just the quick rush of carbs and sugar, but I think about the food, how the food is nourishing me. And I don't just eat because the food is there, but, but it can be more because I'm distracted. Often that's what happens. Distracted when you're busy and you just keep eating. But when I'm more present in eating a meal, then I notice when my body is telling me I'm full. And this is just a very small example. And it's not even thinking about what happens to my eating habits when I am stressed, like stress eating or eating my feelings because in that moment when I have such a full head and don't have space to reason through things well, it feels like food is the best option. And that's just with food and one small part of my physical health, um, this ability and having margin that allows me to be more intentional, gives more resources available that helps me make better decisions. And this is something with more resources available, something that carries over into so many different areas. There's physical, not just with eating habits, but also um, just how stress plays out in our bodies with the cortisol levels and um, how we carry stress in our bodies. So muscle tightness and perhaps tiredness and fatigue because we're not sleeping very well. Um, and what this, you know, the, the way not having much margin in our life can impact on what we might be doing for exercise. Then there's the emotional part and how we are rushing through our lives and moving from one thing to the next to the next and not really paying attention to our emotions and our feelings with that and very closely tied to the emotional with the mental and the impact of stress on us mentally and how that can really raise our anxiety levels and and so much more in that too, but don't have lots of time to go into it. And then there's also the spiritual part. The spiritual part. We move through our days with intentionality because we have this space and we have this margin. And as we do so, we can pay more attention to see how we're living for the kingdom of God. We pay attention and engage with God throughout our days instead of just at the beginning of the day and maybe in a very hurried prayer at the end before we close our eyes to sleep. In the book, by, um, in the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer talks about hurry sickness is a, f and, and a term that psychologists have termed to refer to some of the way that hurrying and the hustle culture of today is, is eroding at us. Um, and he talks about how hurry is a form of violence to the soul. There's this story that he refers to in the book about this English explorer who ventured into some uninhabitable parts of Africa. And he took with him some local guides or porters. Um, and if you look for this story online, you get very various different plot lines um, and tells you different things about who was involved and how long they all pressed on for. Um, but the point is that this English explorer or missionary, he's pushing these guides and he wants them to keep going and to keep walking and to keep moving fast um, because he wants to cover as much ground as possible. But they stop and they refuse to keep walking. 
and the explorer tries to get them to, you know, get them to keep moving. He does what everything that he can for them to move, and and they still don't want to move. And then he asks, "Well, why have you why have you stopped? Are you are you tired already?" And their response is, "No, we're not tired. It is that we have been moving so fast that we've left our souls behind, and we must wait for them to catch up with us again." And for some reason, when I read this story, it really resonated with me. This idea of moving so fast through our days that we leave our souls behind, of trying to do so many things that demand our attention, but never really doing them well, and how that erodes at our soul, contrasting with finding these different moments of rest, creating moments of stillness, and developing ways to fill my soul. And I think we find ourselves moving through our lives so fast that we're hurrying and we're hustling from one thing to the next. Our souls end up bruised and battered or even lost. And that this fast-paced life that so many of us live is, is hurting us. It's hurting us spiritually and emotionally. And it's not how we were created to live. Hustle culture is very much a part of our Western society. Somehow, somewhere, there has come out this way to see our worthiness and our status that is directly connected to how much we work and how busy we are. Not even always about what our work is, but just how much we are working. It's like it's a badge of honour to say that we are so busy that we are just completely exhausted or that we were so busy today that we forgot to eat lunch um, or that we were working so hard that we did 60 hours of work this week because there's so much that needs to be done. And this is Western society but I mean Western culture but then there's also this Christian hustle, hustle culture which takes on a little bit of a different form and there's all this work that we do for God and for his kingdom but it's like we must be moving, we must be busy, and we must be doing to be able to be doing kingdom work. And we talk about this Calvinist work ethic or a Protestant work ethic. And if you are curious and want to look at the history of this, there's different opinions about this and different ways of how this may have impacted capitalism or our hustle culture, but that's not what I'm supposed to be talking about right now. Um, there is something that has come out of the Reformation and the teachings of Calvin and Luther that is about how every part of our lives is for the service of God and there is something very good and honourable in working well for God and doing our best for him. And there is something important to pay attention to in how all the work that we do is kingdom work. But somehow within that, and this isn't because of our theology at all, it, but somehow, somewhere, and it's probably human pride and human nature and human desires that are selfish desires that are mixed up in that something has become twisted and changed and perverted so that we, we feel guilty the moment we sit down to enjoy a cup of tea or coffee, if that's your preference, without doing anything else. And this little voice that pops up in our head that tells us we're being lazy if we're not always on the move. If we're not always doing something and we aren't good enough, then we're not enough as a person 
we don't work a full week, preferably a week that is 45 hours or more, um, that we at that stopping for rest when there is work to do is something bad to do. Even just stopping and pausing when we talk or when we write, it's like we need to fill all of these gaps that there cannot be silence and this isn't the place or time to keep thinking about that but it is something worth thinking about all these things that make us feel like we should always be on the go because that's not how we were created now maybe you think I sound like a hippie all this talk of waiting for our souls to catch up with us and the impact of being so busy has on us spiritually and emotionally, but there are more ways than wearing hemp or living out of a van to be countercultural. And scripture tells us to resist against the trends of the culture around us. It tells us that being a Christian is a call to be countercultural. And if we're not actively seeking out God's will, and if we're act- not actively striving to hold on to what he wants us to do, there's something we can easily be swept up in. We can easily be swept up in the trends around us. And I think that hurry and hustle are things that we can easily be swept up in. But God, God created us with limits. He created us to need rest. We see this first in Genesis 2, where on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day. There's this pattern that God already is establishing in creation, in the creating of the world that includes rest. And rest is this command, but it's also this gift that God gives his people. And we see this more clearly in Leviticus 23, which is, First, starting with the Sabbath, the commands for the Sabbath and how the people of Israel must rest on the Sabbath and what that would look like for them. But it continues with these festivals and these celebrations that were to fall across the Jewish calendar year and how there's all these different festivals and celebrations, Passover, offering of the first fruits, the festival of weeks at the end of the harvest, um, later in the calendar, there is the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. They've, the Jewish year and the Jewish calendar year was filled with these regular feasting and celebrations. They weren't just individual days either. They were these weeks that were filled with rest and worship of their God. And then later, in chapter 25 of Leviticus, we read about the Sabbath year. And that was how every seven years Israelites would... Let the land have a year of rest where they would not sow their fields or tend to any of their vines or trees or, but they, and they would just be eating whatever the land produces. And as the chapter continues, it speaks of the year of Jubilee, the 50th year. So the, after seven Sabbath years, they would have the year of Jubilee, the 50th year, where the land would again rest and in that year of Jubilee, all land and all property will be returned to the original owners and slaves will be set free. And throughout that chapter, God also promises to bless them as, as they keep these commands because no matter 
which economy we live in, if it's an agricultural economy like the Israelites had or also for us today, taking a year off is a big risk. Um, but God's promising his people that if they take that time for rest, they take that time for worship and celebration of who he is as their God and celebration of what he has done for them and his promises for them in the future, he will care for them and they won't face famine or hardship. Um, God has these commands for the Israelites, these feasts, these celebrations and this time of worship and these patterns and rhythms because he knows this is what his people need. They need these rhythms to worship him well. They need these rhythms because it's good for their souls. And slowing down, stopping, pausing, resting is good for our souls. It fills us up spiritually and it's so important that we do it. There's a quote I found from Eugene Peterson from his book, The Jesus Way. We stop, whether by choice or through circumstance, so that we can be alert and attentive and receptive to what God is doing in us and for us, in and for others on the way. We wait for our souls to catch up with our bodies. And it's when our souls have caught up with our bodies that we can pay attention, that we can be alert and attentive and receptive. When they're separate, there's a dissonance and a lack of connection that means we cannot be that alert we cannot be attentive and we are surrounded by this inner noise that gets in the way there are so many different ways that we can build these patterns of stillness that's needed for our souls to return to our bodies. And everyone is created differently and we all have different things that will fill our hearts and help us to reconnect out with our souls. Um, in the books that I mentioned earlier that are also linked in the description of this episode, they spoke about a few different things and I'll take some time to talk about some of them. I believe that one of the biggest ways that we can find opportunity to slow down is by spending time in creation. There is something about being in the outdoors of taking time to be in awe of the glories of what God has made and the beauty of the world around us that just brings us back to ourselves and brings us back to worshipping God. Very much the heavens declare the glory of God. And this could be, you know, different people have different things that they like. It could be spending time in the bush and hearing the wind whispering as it passes through the trees and watching the dappled sunlight dance across the ground. It's the smattering of bird calls all around you. That just helps you to breathe a little bit deeper. Or it's the beach with the sands between your toes. There's this continuous movement and sound of the waves and the salt water just carries you. The desert, this vast openness and stars that just go on forever because there's no light pollution to interrupt it. There's just something just 
deeply creational that we find and that we remember when we spend time out in nature. And sometimes this can just be not just going out to these places like the bush, the beach or the desert, but it's also the little things that we can fit into our days as we do things. It's cracking open a window at night time so that some of the outside air and the night air can come inside or plants and flowers that we put on our coffee tables. Um, maybe it's building a pattern of eating breakfast or any other meal outside for that matter. It's spending a bit of time in the garden every day if that's something that you like. Or perhaps you're someone who likes to move and it's carving out time to go for a daily walk or run outside, either through your neighbourhood or along a bush track somewhere or the beach if that's something close by. Maybe you're a swimmer and it's creating that time to swim in the ocean. Whatever it is, and there's definitely things that I haven't spoken about yet, there's this finding silence and breathing in the glories of God's creation that guides us to reconnect with our souls. We breathe a little deeper and smile just a little bit bigger and then we hold on to this perspective of how big our God is and we're reminded of our God and we worship him as we see his beauty in the creation around us. There's also meditation meditating on God's word. This is also something that looks different for different people, but it's more than having that time at a certain point in your day where you read the Bible and pray or do go through a devotional or just have quiet time, whatever you call it. It's something more than that. That is very important, having that quiet time, but it's also making sure that that time is, is really purposeful and there's not many distractions, as much as possible, that is. And there's this stillness and this solitude. We see that in, in Jesus' ministry, how he took the time to withdraw from the crowds to pray and to step, step away from the work that he was doing to spend time talking to his father and be equipped and filled up so that he could be fully present in the ministry that he did as he healed and preached to the people that were about around him and it's this stepping away spending time in prayer and bible reading and in other things that equips you throughout your day but there's also this meditation of reflecting on those things from that time throughout your day and holding on to a verse or something that stuck out to you in and coming back to that in little moments throughout the day. Um, there was a command from Leviticus earlier that spoke about the Sabbath and this weekly pattern of setting aside a day for God, a day of rest, a day of worship, a day of feasting and celebration and I think that sometimes we can forget what a Sabbath is meant to be like. I do think in the Reformed circles, the free Reformed circles here in Perth, there is still 
a strong value of setting aside that day um, and of, of definitely making sure, you, you know, you, it's a day that is dedicated and it is something more than just going to church twice. But it can be muddy and it can be something that we lose in the sense of the rest, not just rest from the work that we do throughout the week, but it's rest from from striving, rest from working. So if we think that doing work for a committee or a board or um, other work, that's kingdom work on the Sabbath day, that's not really resting. Or if we go to church twice but kind of maybe do what we want on our own in between, that's also not really resting. Resting and worshipping and celebrating together is worshipping during the services and continuing that worship in fellowship together and in celebration together. It might be resting in having a Sunday nap or it might be resting in something else, but there's something that making sure that your Sabbath is a day that's set aside, a day that doesn't have the noise from the world around us. Perhaps it's turning off your phone for the day or it's making sure that you don't look at the news that day or I don't, I don't know. I don't know what your, day, your days look like now, but it's being extra intentional about what your Sabbath looks like. It's a part of our week. There's this rhythm of rest, of worship and feasting. That's a part of our week and it's so much more than attending church. And I think we need to hold on to that because it's such a beautiful gift that we have from God. In the ruthless elimination of hurry, John Mark Comer also talks about simplicity and about slowing. And I think these are also important things to think about in living a simple life, not a life that is filled with stuff, filled with lots and lots of different things, but a life that is simple and a life that is full of worship. And taking out all of these extra stuff also means we do slow down. I think these are also important things to think about. That is all I think I've got time for for today. And I really hope that this has given you some more food for thought that you do find it helpful and encouraging and uplifting. And I pray that this is something that you can also think about. We can have some more conversations about what it means to really rest. Thank you. And I look forward to talking to you again in our next episode.